Well, let's get started then, let's because get started. yeah, uh, is the move the microphone a little bit, come closer, because we're uh, as you know we're moving your picnic chair over, <laughs> because as you know we're we, al fresco. We're al fresco. This is um, on location podcast on location, Toto podcast on location, tot up all top all. Totopol would do it. Is that sounds a bit like an international police organisation. It is. It? What we said was we've got to be sort of quiet because we don't want them to hear. We've we've uh, we've gone to the farm that this episode was was filmed in. We're, right? we're on location, um, and that's to bring a little bit of of a bit more atmosphere to the episodes. As you know, we agreed last time in the flypaper. We, I mean, we would have had to hide out in that caravan, which would have been a bit... Ah, oh, I wouldn't have fancied that. No, no. I mean, what would you have had to be in the bedrooms or something? Because uh, they'd have seen us otherwise. Yeah, and they've probably got human jerky hanging up. Oh. Oh, human jerky sounds terrible. Actually, it does, doesn't it? it? Yeah. Oh, not, oh, oh, no, I don't think no, so. No, no. So, uh, we've brought our laptops out. You can probably hear... Well, that is the that is a motorway that we can hear in the background, right? Okay, but we're, there have been some changes, obviously, since the eighties. Exactly, this is a new bypass that was built to get from town to the another town, and the farm was obviously in the middle. Yeah, and uh, and that's why why we're here. You can hear the birds tweeting. Though. You can hear the birds tweeting, and oh, the mooing of a cow. Oh yeah, the mooing of a cow. What's that? The bar of a sheep, <laughs> and. The screech of an ape. Oh, no, um, well, there's no apes. No, 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 we're there. Can, can we uh, remove that uh, sound effect, please? Great, <laughs> okay, I'll try to edit that out if I remember. Right, um, now then, this is uh, the next episode. This is episode two of season three of the Tales of the Unexpected podcast. So, guys, welcome back. As we said, we're on location. My name is Chris. I'm Rob. And we are back with uh, a an introduced by Tales of the yeah. Unexpected. Again, so obviously... He's not wrote it. No, but he is at least showing up. He's turning up, he's doing his, his bit, sitting in front of his fire, and we now know, I guess, we're sort of in the idea of he's going to become less and less the author. Yeah. Uh, he still might pop up. I think he. I don't know if he's had his last one. This is Roald Dahl we're talking about, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Not your granddad, uh, if that's what you thought. Although it might be. Could have been your granddad. I mean, it might be that Roald Dahl's granddaughter's listening. Sophie Dahl, or granddad in law, that's then, Jamie Cullum. Is it? Jamie Cullum's married to Dahl. I didn't know. Yeah. There's a. Because he's a small guy. I've met him. I went to see him at Blenheim Palace. It was a great gig. Sophie Dahl, in contrast, is a tall woman. Yeah, yeah. And if she's taller than did, like most. Did of. she have a what a dalliance with Mick Jagger? Did she have a dalliance? A dalliance. What's that? Like a a sort of um, uh, romance. Oh, a, uh, quite possibly. You heard it here first, and, and forty years. <laughs> After the event, but it's here first, right? Or something like that. Now I, I don't, I don't know about that. I'm just saying that's nothing to do with me. That, you know, no, I mean, you know, I, I know Roman. Now you had nothing to do with this. Neither, neither the incident nor the yeah. apparent 
unraveling of it and publication of it, which has <laughs> no, just happened. I, honestly, I'm the whistleblower on which this. Which I disassociate myself from. That's about, I think that's the best I can <laughs> say. I do know Roman Polanski got in trouble for it, though. Yeah. And he, he admitted it. Jerry Lee Lewis? Yeah. 13? Yeah, but wasn't it, wasn't it okay? In because that, it was in, a cousin. In that, <laughs> in that state where he lived. Probably. Could, I think you could... So it wasn't an offence. It was a more innocent time back then, wasn't it? <laughs> so, uh, what's been bothering you? What about? Well, I'll tell you what I've noticed. Yeah. As you know, I watch trash TV yeah, yeah. to yeah. keep abreast of the sitch. Well, you say it's still that, it but is. I'm not so sure. <laughs> it's research. And um, the overuse, and, and oh, not only just overuse, it's the, uh, it's the incorrect and overuse of the word literally. Oh, it's yeah, absolutely yeah. driving me insane. Not Which, literally. Yeah. Other words that are overused and have no no meaning. So if you say sorry too many times, the, the later time you say it, it's like, you just don't mean it. The word graft, that it's referred to in young... As in graft and corruption? No. As in skin graft? No. In trying to woo a girl. You've got graft. to put, yeah. You've got to put your graft in. Oh, you've some hard to, work. You've got to graft. Yeah, yeah. It's overuse. Okay, it's it's all right. The the the, the use of the term one hundred percent to describe to to just say yeah. What about banter? Banter oh, and bants. Oh my! I can't stand that. And they're all everybody's about that. Banter. What what the fuck is banter? <laughs> because I whatever this is. Oh, wait there, wait there. This is a one that seems to be replacing the word banter. And it is, uh, I'll say it in the phrase, yeah. he's got good chat. Oh, is that right? Oh, my. I mean, what are we doing? What are we doing? And, Bert, listeners, these are the people that are allowed to vote, by the way. <laughs> right, again. They are voting and misusing words and inventing words. Well, I tell you another one of my pet peeves on this yeah. is when people replace the G in say something with a K. Yeah, yeah, and, um, and that happens a lot. Yeah, I mean, I've, I'll, I am a, a, a culprit of not saying all the T's in words. Oh, yeah, well, that's because of where we come from. Yeah, yeah. I think that, that is, is an accent thing. I, I attempt it. I don't. I'm not conscious of it though. Yeah. So, but I, uh, yeah, when somebody says something, yeah. And, and actually uh, would spell it like that in their head. You know, I, I can see how their thought process works and they would be spelling it like that. Yeah, I mean, if they write it down, do they put a K on it or do they put a G on it? I'm imagining that they would write it in a text. A, slight, a slightly sort of embarrassing story about this was that uh, Elle, my wife, obviously knows that I have this sort of annoyance about it. We went into a pub and the barman served us and said, is there anything else? Anything. Yeah. And uh, L, for some reason, thought it was me who said it. And so she says to me, to the barman, you just said anything. And I said, well, I, I didn't. Was the barman's listening? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't do it, it was him. <laughs> Not as bad, obviously, as the time when she... Uh, declined to a food order because she felt they'd spit on it. <laughs> because she'd been arguing with the staff at the hotel. Was that when we were out? Yeah. Yeah, that's we right. Yeah. And, and it wasn't 
that she declined it because she thought they might have. That's the that's the reason she volunteered. Yeah. Uh, just, you, in fact, I don't want them because I don't want that sandwich because you're going to spit in it. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm on one hundred percent. I'm one hundred percent. Right. Let's crack on. Right. Uh, so we start off. Roll Dahl introducing the story. Which we should have we said that it's called Picture of a Place this episode. I don't know if we said it. We've said it now. It's yeah. it's introduced by Dahl, but it's written by Doug. It's written by Doug. Doug Morgan. Morgan. Morgo. Morgs. Morgs. With also some sort of uh, assistance by Dennis Cannon. Yeah, and Cannon does a lot of. I want to say he is an assistant, but he's certainly got his hands to a lot of uh, tales of unexpected stuff. He could be. Some sort of screenplay guy. Oh, yeah. I mean, just looking through, yeah. Man at the top, back for Christmas. Yeah. He's, he's had a hand in both of those. Yeah, so he could be... So there's an author, but he's the one who's converted it to the yeah. screen. Because, you know, if he's thinking that way, maybe. Well, let's, we, we could do... A, we've got so many episodes still to cover, we could we could go into Canon's Canon later. <laughs> That'd be a great <laughs> idea for Cannon's a show, wouldn't Cannon. it? Canon's Canon. It's a good title, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I feel a bit annoyed that nobody spotted that sooner. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Now, Roald Dahl, uh, in his introduction, sort of... He doesn't really say this episode is all about. Right? No. He's, not, he's more saying, in order for you to understand what's about to happen, there's an artist in the 19th century called Constable yeah. who has painted paintings... And they're worth quite a lot. Yeah, which is probably one of the most condescending introductions that I've ever heard. Well, maybe that was the time, the sign of the times, is that people needed that explanation if they were going to understand it. Because if you're going to read the books, fair enough, that's your choice. But if you watched the series of Tales of the Unexpected and you you didn't really know that, then this does help. I mean, one of the many areas that I'm no expert in is art, right? But I do know that John Constable was a bit of a top painter. Yeah, I mean, he's probably most famous for the Hay Wayne. Yeah. Yeah, I think that would be... I mean, my gran had them on Constable paintings on her uh, dinner coasters, dinner set. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I always remember those. Actually, I was never really interested in the Impressionists. When I started... Because I'm an art student. Well, I was an art student, oh, an course, artist. yeah, yeah. We never really got into that... The Impressionists or... Uh, Renaissance or anything like that. However, I've been watching Sky Arts and there's the kind of portrait artists of the year, landscape artists of the year, yeah. and I've started to find quite a, 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 a love of these old paintings. Not because of necessarily what they are, but because of what they inspired. Anyway, I think that, uh, and the reason I'm making that point is because at the time that wouldn't have necessarily been a valuable painting, but because of where it stands in the art. Legacy yeah. in the art world, it it has inspired a lot of what's going on, and therefore has become would be quite valuable. Right. See, I thought you were just into that, so you could take a picture of the bottom half of a girl's tits. But obviously, in the art, you no, were I ser- seriously artistic. Did it? Uh, yeah, I was. I was. Always, I can always do it. I think it's one of the things I can do. Yeah. In fact, you should see my garage now. Got my little. Uh, oh, I know you were going to make it into. Yeah, got my studio set up. Yeah. Um, so uh, let's uh, have a guess then. How how much do you think the Haywain is worth? Thirty three million. And was is that a, what is that a guess or do you know that? No, it's a guess. Right. Okay. So we no idea. To give you an idea then about not necessarily what 
the painting in this episode is is worth. But a, but a painting by Constable called the Lock was twenty two and a bit million about five years ago. Twenty two point four million five years ago. So you know he's like that. I mean, it is is a good artist, right? Okay. So if you spot a constable in your attic, then you then you sit, you're made. See, you can I, do whatever I once, you want. I once read that what he liked to do was put a bit of red in all his pictures. And, and you had to spot it. Yeah, a bit like Wally. Wally yeah. And and there is a, I think there is red on the Haywain. Probably is. If it, if that's what his thing was, you yeah. wouldn't have not done it, would you? It's <laughs> like the, the the hair in inside number nine. Yeah. Right. So that you, so you've got your start. You've got your fact that Constable was a painter, and he's and if you've got a painting by Constable, it's going to be worth a fortune. Episode starts, and it starts on a farm, and that's where we are today. And you, you can hear the bypass, um, and it's a proper farm, isn't it? Yeah, it's a, yeah. It's yeah. a real like old stone farm. Little tiny animals, windows. Yeah, animals running around all over the place. Uh, bits of uh, like old tractors, kind of like propped up to the side of the house and stuff. Grass yeah. overgrown and stuff. It's 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 a, probably a working farm, but it doesn't it doesn't look like it's. Uh, doing a, a good, uh, it's got a good turnover, doesn't no, it? No, 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 it's, it's sort of a bit run down. Isn't it? That's what I was looking for, actually. So, as it transpires, we know that it's actually owned by a woman, and living in that house is also her son. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, to, to set that scene, um, he dr- drives in in his tractor. A really ancient looking tractor. Yeah, I mean, maybe that was an 80s tractor. I, I think that looked older than an Because my granddad used to work at International Harvesters and we used to go around on like special day and, and have a look and you could sit in the tractors. And Is that the one in Wheatley Hill Road? Yes. Yes, yeah. so I used to pass that and I enjoyed looking at the futuristic tractors that they were had on display, yeah. And truthfully, right, in the um, speedo dial, um, they had a picture of a tortoise at one side and at the other, so that it indicated whether you were going slow or fast. I mean, you'd have to you'd have to put aside the entire fable because you think you get there faster if you went slow. But that's what it that's that's but what it was. Instead of numbers, mm. it was just a, like a gauge. Yeah. I mean, I, I presumed that must have been in case people couldn't read numbers that they'd know. <laughs> Are you suggesting that if you worked on a farm, you couldn't no, read numbers? No, no. Well, some people wouldn't. <laughs> a lot of people I went to school with couldn't read numbers. What's this shape? <laughs> What's that shape doing? <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, so he comes on with an ancient tractor. And I, like, I always like to try and identify the background music. When he appears, it's violin music, yeah. I, I, I believe. Uh, forget that. It changes to oboe later, or it's, clarinet or something. Yeah, there does But it's, 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 quite, it's quite happy, isn't it? It's happy yeah. music. Yeah. Blink, 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 Right? And um, he comes into the house, and he's complaining that he's got no shirt. And the, 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 the I'm going to say old woman. She's not actually that old. She's oldish. Yeah. But she's... I mean, if you say he's, like, between 30 and 40... She's 60 to 70, right? That's yes. the way it works. So um, she comes into house. 
And she's played by Jesse Matthews. And Jesse Matthews is brilliant in this. And she was in Tom Thumb, of course. She played Tom Thumb's mum. You say, of course. I have to take your word for it. Yeah, it's true. Uh, I saw it as a child. I've mentioned before that I have a problem with yawning. That I can catch them off anything. Dogs in the street or anything like that. When I first discovered this, we were watching Tom Thumb. Because there's a, a little creature in it called the Yawning Man. And that's all it does, it yawns. And it set me off like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna have to yawn now because I've been talking about it. <laughs> well, I'll pick up the gap. Um, he's complaining that he's got no shirt and he needs a shirt because he's off into town. Mm. And she, he finds one, right, okay? And his complaint with this one that he's found is it's got no buttons. No buttons. So no. what's, what's holding happened it to that? <laughs> what's holding it together? A, or what? a button's missing. I could understand that complaint. No, but no buttons. No buttons. That seems as though some, something deliberate's happened, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah, like... They needed the buttons for something else. Yeah. That should take them off that shirt. That could have been it, actually. Well, I once lent a uh, suit back in the 80s to a friend of mine. And uh, we went out. We were going out clubbing. We called to get uh, a burger, which is obviously a staple of anybody's clubbing. We were sat down at the table. He stood up too close to the table. And ripped all the buttons off. Oh, they, they sort of like caught on the table. Breasted, yeah, yeah, right, okay. Pulled them all off. Oh. I was gutted. Yeah. Now, he was, he was handed the noble thread, and he did sew them back on for me at a later date. Is, is that good, though? Yeah, yeah. So that's what he does, isn't it? Yeah. Well, well, that's what he can do. But he sewed them on too tight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 we're going, it's going from bad to worse. Rob's kicked over a glass of juice. Oh. Uh, you all right? Yeah, so, no worries, no worries. Right. Um, so, with Jesse well, Matthews and the yawning, was we were just talking about that. Yeah. So, um, anyway, well, he finds now a new shirt. He yeah. thanks his mum. Now, he says then I'll be back at four. So, he's got business in the town. He's doing something. He's doing an errand for her. Yeah. And he's also got a business of his own to see to. I mean, I noticed at this point that she was um, get forking out some animal meat. Yeah, from straight from a tin. Yeah, yeah. And, and he said to her, oh, hopefully I'll have something to eat and not something out of a can. Yeah. Has she been feeding him... That's, the, a, that's the, the insinuation. The cat, the, yeah. Isn't it? Because then she kind of thrusts it under his nose as if... Yeah. If you... You know, that's you what eaten, that's yours. Cat food? Yeah, no. no. No, I've had dog mixer before. You know, the biscuit type things. Yeah, yeah. And what, what had happened there was that... I was like, oh, well, this looks quite nice. I was obviously a bit hungry. I don't know, 27 at the time. <laughs> No, I was, I don't know, let's say I was like five or six. And at the biscuits, they were like small pellety type biscuits. At them, I was like, well, that's nice. It was like a proper biscuit. It's like, really? oh, that tastes really nice. So I had a few more. I was like looking around over my shoulder and stuff, making sure nobody could see. Just had a few more. I got caught one day, and my mum said, if you eat too many, you'll turn into a dog. Oh. I was like, oh, fucking hell, I love I'll have more then. You, you fancied that, didn't Well, you? I just watched Team Wolf at the time. I was like, <laughs> come on, let's go. So, um... Anything happened? Did you, did I didn't turn into a dog. Yeah. No. Um, anyway, she feeds the cat and then cut to the scene where we're in town. Yeah. Our first uh, character then that we see is Maynard. Yeah. Bill Maynard comes out of a pub. 
Now, Maynard is playing Mr. Potteridge or something, Pottinger. Yeah. Mr. He's playing Mr. Pottinger. We don't know that just yet. He comes out of a pub. And he's got oboe music. He has. So, like, funny, it's like funny sort of music, isn't it? It's, um, well, I describe it later on as quite roguish. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. because the, I think the idea is, if you look at villains in The Tales of Unexpected, he's not going to kill anybody, but he would happily diddle an old lady out of some a, a prized possession. Right, okay, yeah. that's the sort of character he is. Yeah. So, quite rightly, he has... Oboe. That, that's the music for diddling an old lady. Did, diddling an old lady. So, um, he, he gets in a car with, which has got loads and loads of tables strapped on top of yeah, it. Yeah, furniture, wooden furniture. So, th- th- that's an indication of what he is up to, yeah. what, what he does. Yeah. And, and I think from first watch, you might think he is moving out, but he looks a bit businessy. So, those that bits of furniture, maybe. And I think I'm right in saying this. He goes to people's houses, asks if they've got any unwanted goods, and he will take them away for you and give you some cash. I could do with him coming around here. I've got a bookcase. You've got a bookcase. Yeah. Um, so um, he's uh, he drives off, and it, on his journey, he, he has to pass the farm of where our heroes live. Yeah. He spots the farm, and he's, he gets out of his car... Over music starts again. <laughs> and he must be thinking, I bet there's a few odds and sods in that place. Yeah, maybe an old lady I can diddle. Maybe an old lady I can diddle. I, that I, sounds I, worse than yeah. that, <laughs> I honestly think he's just looking for bits of iron and stuff like that. Yeah. Metal, yeah. little bits that would he could sell on. He isn't looking to nick anything. He will yeah. do it the honest, honest as way as he knows how, right? Yeah. But he's now. It, that's it. He's, he's seen the sugar in the, as if he was a wasp. He's seen the sugar, and he's like, "That's a good analogy, isn't it?" And then he goes, <laughs> and he goes. He turns his car he goes around. Back in his car. Drive, drive to the driveway, and then. Proceed, gets out of his car, and then walks around the place. Now, yeah. what I've got here, right? Okay. He's, he's walking around, right? So, so to set the scene, just before I get to my point, he's walking around and he's like, looks in windows, walks around the back, ends up in a barn, picks a few things up, and then he gets interrupted by the old lady who says, can I help you? Right? Yeah, yeah. What, at what point do, do people just think they can just, instead of knocking, just walk around and just help themselves? And, and the old lady, Jessie Matthews, didn't seem particularly surprised by this behaviour. She didn't say to him, what are you doing? Yeah, so she finds him in the barn. Yeah, messing with bedsteads or something like that. But don't, don't mention it. And, and I think, is it is it a country practice, that? Well... Is it what happens This is there? This is the point I was going to make. Now, I watched Bates Motel recently. That happens in it. I've seen some other things where... I, I don't know if this is almost like a rule of survival sort of thing. Yeah. In, in Woodland... Now, America's quite a big place, Rob. I don't know if you know where it is. It's it, There's a pond. There's England, a pond, and then a like a town called America. All right, yeah. Okay. It's got some woods in it. Okay. Yeah. The woods are huge because it's a massive piece of land, actually. Right. And in those woods, if you get lost, you're knackered. Yeah. Because they're right. huge. Yeah. Miles and miles of woods. So what people have done is, over the over periods of time, is build cabins there. And kitted them out with basic essentials, you know, some meat and stuff. And the idea is, 
if you if you need to use a place to shelter, there's your place. Put some heat on, but stock it up if you can, right. so that somebody else who's in that same situation. Now that mentality works for me. That you know we'll help you out because you, you might not have help. But walking into a house that's clearly occupied doesn't work for me. No. So I just don't understand what's going on here. It's a, it's a very sort of altruistic thing that we've been, you've just been explaining with the log cabins. Isn't it? I, mean, I don't think that would work around here, would it? It like, definitely wouldn't work around here. People would just rob them, wouldn't they? Except on this farm. Yeah, but, but here it would be fine. Yeah. yeah. So, um, right. Uh, her, so she comes into the scene, interrupts yeah. him, can I help you? Her music now changes. Still violin. Still violin, but it's pleasant now. So, within an instant, we know he's the rogue, she's the good person. Yeah, that's definitely the, it's isn't it? beautifully it's music, set up. Musical key there. Oh. Well done, orchestra. Maybe, oh. maybe, maybe it was Dennis Cannon who thought of that. Again. Yeah, just ca- Cannon and his ideas. Yeah. Cannon's ideas. Now, he's a, a bit of a chatterbox, his old uh, Pottinger, isn't he? Reminds me a lot of the character who used to play Selwyn Gummit. Selwyn, Selwyn Greengrass. No, before that. Oh. It was Selwyn. Selwyn, uh, he was really famous for it. So famous that I can't remember his name. Uh, Selwyn Froggy. He used to play a character called Selwyn Froggy. In what? Well, it was in a TV series called Oh No, It's Selwyn Froggy. When I say chatterbox, what, what, uh, an example of this is he's just, he, he hears a dog barking. And then, ah, oh, it's King Dog, isn't it? It's a alien man ripped up by... And do you think that that's part of his sort of set persona that he portrays in order to get on the good side of people? Quite possibly. That, that, yeah, rather than uncomfortable silences, keeps talking, puts... I don't know if it's a salesman tip to put people at ease, but it, it, it seems to... I don't know whether it... Maybe it put, takes people off the scent of him a bit... Well, yeah. Gets them thinking too much about what he's saying and not what who he is. And it probably sort of gets them on his side a bit because he comes across as a likeable character. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So that's what he's certainly doing. He's trying to make it's passive conversation, but it's. Um, I mean, it's, it it's, doesn't seem to be going anywhere. But she's she then brings him back on track. So he said you wanted to have a look at these irons, did you? you no, know, I've got no. Sorry, sorry. So she says I've got a couple of irons you can have a look at. Now they're the, the kind of old type that you would heat up. Yeah, and not plug in. In fact, I think they might be the ones that you like put old ash, put ashes in. Oh, there's like, got a slide on the bottom. Yeah, yeah, and, and do it that way. So they, I mean, I don't, I don't imagine that they would fetch that much. But he's happy to have a look, and he'll give a tenner for two. Yeah, yeah, ten she pounds. Could, she could be using them on some shoes. Yeah, and in fact, she does do some ironing later, so she must have had a third one. Right, right. Um, now then, um, anyway, he then gets into the house. And he is constantly looking around. He's, she's talking, he's talking, but his priority is to look for things. Yeah, yeah. And he's, he keeps going, like, putting stuff on the table. He goes, do you need this? I can sell it for 15, I can give it for 15 quid. You know, it, that, it's that sort of, he's, he's constantly, he's got an agenda and, and he's sticking to it. So walking around and the music suggests that something's, of interest has caught his eye. Yeah. Which it has. It's eventually when he's 
kind of like unearthed a few things and he sees this painting on the wall. Yeah, and he's particularly drawn to, to that. There are other paintings on the wall. But yeah, but this one looks a little bit like, hang on a minute, so w- now Roald Dahl set us up because yeah. we're thinking, this is. I bet this is a constable one. Yeah. Right, so he's seen this painting on the wall. This is the first time we've seen this painting. In fact, we never really get a, a decent close-up. No, we, we don't. We have a good look, but anyway, he takes it off the wall... And he, he has to kind of like do one and double takes. He blinks a couple of eyes to improve his eyesight. And, and he looks, he's probably trying to spot the red bit. He spotted the red bit. <laughs> he then turns the painting over and on it, it says lot 47, I think. Lot 7, lot 47. Yeah, one, one of those. I'd, I'd go with 47. 47, which suggests that it was auction. won in an auction or bid on in an auction. Yeah. So he's like, hang on a minute. So he peels that back a bit and he can see that there is a some calligraphy on the back. Handwritten that suggests this is a, a constable because it's been bought from John Constable, bought from John Constable of, of just a general one of his general paintings. Yeah. Now, a a painting by a constable inspired the Hayway was sold for about fifty grand. Okay, so even ones that aren't well known, as long as it's by the hand of constable, are going to be still a pretty penny. Yeah. And that's what he thinks he's found. Anyway, he hears her coming back into the room, so he quickly replaces it back onto the wall and doesn't say anything. And he must be now thinking, I've got to try and work out how to get this into conversation. Yeah, because he's, he's, he's going to want to introduce it in a sort of casual way. Somehow, yeah. but he's, he's now determined. And, and in fact, because w- what we do now is we, we go to see the son. The son who, it, who's who in town. is played by Michael Troughton. Who, who is the son of Patrick? Indeed, yeah. yeah. And when we were watching it, you were you sort of thought you recognised him. Yeah, and that that now makes sense is is the fact that his name is there. So it's well, he played a guy called Mellish in Minder, and he played Sir Piers Fletcher Dervish in The New Statesman from nineteen eighty seven. That was it. Of course, he did New Statesman. Yeah. So oh, of course, he did. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. excellent. Um, I like to dig. Yeah. Well, he. Is with somebody else who's pretty famous, Peter Sallis. Peter Sallis, who recently died, um, and uh, who was the voice of uh, Wall- uh, Wallace from the Wallace and Gromit cartoon. Is Gromit the dog? Then? Gromit was the dog who never spoke, so it yeah. has to be the other one. Right, yeah. uh, he was also one of the three men in the old Summer Wine program. Yeah, one of the three originals. Yeah, yeah. And, and he sort of stayed in it. To the, to the end, really, yeah. didn't he? I, I think they replaced the main characters. With, I thi- yes, that's right. And yeah, I, th- I think he was still in it for cameos. He was probably the longest-serving yeah. man of them. And, from my childhood at least, he was the voice of Ratty from Wind in the Willows. Oh, right. Yeah, and, and uh, Ratty was obviously the coolest of the Wind in the Willows gang. Yeah. Because, um, you know... Who he, did Toad? Do you remember in that? In that? It was um, Terry Jones. No, not Terry Jones. You know Terry, Terry and June. Was it, was it Touch of Frost? Was it Delboy? It's one of them two. It's, have a look. It's really bothering me about this Terry from Terry. And well, June. why don't we have a look at Wind in the Willows cast members? I'm going to look at Terry and June because <laughs> I, I I ought to know. Terry Scott. Oh, oh! <laughs> I did. I didn't want you to have to go and search it. But so Wind in the Willows. Well, there was a. Production of it by Terry Jones. Um, voices, voice actors. Here we go. Right. Okay. So we've got. Um, oh, that wasn't that. That was 1983. 
Right, okay, so now we have on here, hey, I tell you what, David Jason. It was David Jason. Oh. But who plays Badger? Michael Horden, who was Mr. Bixby. He's oh. um, Cyril Bixby. The, as in the fur coat? The, Ian Carmichael. All oh, right, hang on a minute. I've got this wrong list. <laughs> Ian Carmichael was was the voice of Rat. Oh, maybe that was just for the weather. That's the movie. So, uh, Wind of the Willows series. There you go. Oh, I was right. So, David Jason was the Toad. Horden is still the guy, but Salis was Rat. Right. So there we go. Right. Uh, so let's crack on then. He, right. He's met Salis, the solicitor, the yeah. father solicitor, for a reason. Yeah. And it's not really clear what we're talking about, though, is it? Oh, thank God you said that, because I didn't know if I'd missed something. <laughs> I didn't know if I'd missed something. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, the, the sort of lines of it, and one line of it, the sun, Patrick Troughton, Oh, Microtron says, I must get it uh, settled as soon as possible. But Is he trying to sell the farm? I don't know what he's You trying. see, when when they come out of the solicitor's office, they're, they're on the way to the pub, right? Yeah. Okay. They look, Salis goes, I'm so glad you told me. As if something's up. And I, I'm wondering, and there's no other suggestion of this, whether... He's worried about his mum, and they're looking to rehome her. It's possible, but then it's also possible that there's a sort of spoiler here that we can't really go into. Yeah. So should we just leave that as it is, mm. and maybe maybe come back to that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So um, anyway, he realises that there's a, he's, he's got to uh, do something with the solicitor. So they go to the pub. <laughs> we then go back to the farm. And uh, he's collecting up bits and bobs. He's getting quite impatient. She offers him tea, and he tries to say, no, no, no. but she's sort of already making it in that sort of way that yeah. old ladies in fiction do, don't they? Yeah, but, but what's actually happening is he's think, he must be thinking to himself, look, I can't leave without that painting, Yeah. so I need to do what it takes. Yeah. Right. So then we go back to the pub with the solicitor. Right. Now, snap to dialogue that I picked up here as I was trying to figure it out was, from the solicitor, it's a serious matter. And from the son, I don't like to go behind her back, but I didn't have any choice. So what's happening? Well, this is, this is what I don't know. Right, OK. So but, we'll, but we'll go... I thought, well, that might, be, that might be useful. In reference to... She certainly doesn't have any indication of this because at no point in the whole episode... Yeah. Do, do, does she approach does she get questioned or approach that herself right we then go back to the farm yeah now then um, she says then that she volunteers this apropos of nothing it seems but yes I did it uh, <laughs> that anything you want needs to be uh, kind of like authorised authorised by my son yeah but when she invited him into the house, that, that was never the... No, no. And it's like she almost is playing a bit of a game with him now. Yeah. Uh, she's asking him to hang around for the sun. He'll be back soon. Yeah, maybe. 
son and sister talking about a power of attorney or something like that. But it could be, couldn't it? Yeah. 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 So anyway, uh, now he's is uh, trying to work out how to get this painting. It, and and you, the, again, we've got this mu- this music that that we know that um, is this is the up to no good part. part. This is the roguish part yeah. of the scene. So he's trying to diddle her out of uh, of a lot of money here, and we're thinking, well, actually, the way this is written is, if the son gets home soon, he can put a stop to this guy trying to yeah. diddle her out of some money. Because he says, oh. This is a nice paint. Frame be worth thirty quid, didn't it? That's how he sort of yeah he offers it. yeah he offers the frame at thirty yeah. and then he says and the picture inside hundred quid yeah and she's like hundred quid and then she thinks maybe maybe it's worth a bit more then if that's what you're trying to do so but we're thinking if the sun gets home we can stop this, yeah, this yeah. because they don't know how much that painting's worth he does and it, she we, needs to stop the sale yeah well, I mean, we're presuming he does. So, go back to the solicitors. The solicitor and the man... They're outside the pub by now. Yeah, and he says goodbye. Um, And solicitor says to him, in another snippet of dialogue, it depends on what what is said and whether there is a witness. It's all very intriguing, isn't it? Yeah. It's all very intriguing. A a man who lives near Michelle's dad was uh, a police car pulled up outside their house. Yeah. And the driver... Uh, got out, stood by the car, and then the, this person who lives near Michelle's dad got out of the house and walked into the back of the police car and then they drove off. Now, I was thinking, well, he can't be... They'd be arrested because they'd, they'd you know, go to the door. Yeah. Is he is he a witness, do you think? Is he a witness for something he's being brought into the station? Yeah, or yeah, or they could even be taken into court or something like that if he's a witness. Yeah. So anyway, that, that's oh, sorry. so anyway. That I was, I'm wondering whether she's been part of. She's witnessed a crime then. Who? The old lady. Why? Because it depends if there are any witnesses. Oh, that's what so, you mean. Right. So she, yeah, yeah, so yeah. she's part of the crime. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I lost you entirely with the neighbour there. I'm thinking. What? <laughs> Oh yeah, because this was a man. Yeah. yeah. Right. So anyway, um we want the son to get home yeah. because green grass is up to no good. However, the niece of the solicitor comes up and pulls up on her horse. Yeah. Because you would yeah. in Chesham or Amersham or wherever this is. Well um, we know where it is, we're there. Oh yeah, the town that's just down the road from yeah, where that's we are. Where it is, obviously. Yeah, it pulls up on a horse just down the town. Um, and um, she seems a bit flirty. Yeah, I mean, I, I tell you what, I'll tell you what I thought. Flanter. Flanter? Is that flirty, flirty banter? banter. Um, They've both got chat. <laughs> Dicks. <laughs> what I thought of when I saw the girl on the horse is that uh, when I was younger, when I was a uh, schoolie, Oh, oh no! You, you sort of you don't like schoolie. Yeah. No, schoolboy. Schoolboy, because schoolie for me is something different. Yeah. yeah, I uh, went out with a girl who had a horse, and uh, I remember, I remember, one day she'd been riding it, and she was cleaning the saddle. Oh, afterwards. Hang on. How old was she? She would be sixteen. Right. So we're okay to talk about this. Yes. Okay. And uh, but it, 
but she looked at, got the underneath of the saddle and it was sort of caked in, in sort of white, which I presume would come from horse sweat. Or do you think it was like a resin to, so it didn't ruin the, the horse's back? I don't know. I, don't, I thought it was horse sweat. She scraped some off on knife. And then licked it off. The no, left. she didn't. Yeah, she did. Shut up. That didn't happen. <laughs> true. That did not happen. You're making it up. It's absolutely true. Ugh. Okay. She, well, do you, are you suggesting that this, the niece... She might do. It might, be a com- it might be a common practice. Ugh. She likes him. She certainly likes him. She also likes the farm as well. Yeah. But, and, and he reveals that actually he's not too keen. He actually wants to sell it. Yeah. So the business with the solicitor doesn't... Because he's saying, you know, I'd like to sell the farm eventually. So that can't be what they're talking about with the solicitor. Can't be. Because otherwise he'd be saying, I'm trying to sell it actually. Yeah. So he's so it can't be that. It's something else. Right. We go back to the farm. Oh, no. Right. He's now offering her... 275 for this painting. Yeah. But, and the reason he's got to this, we don't know if they've, if they've bartered during the period of time that we've been in the, with the pub, with the, the niece and the man, but um, he wants to get out. And obviously he knows that the sun's back soon and he's getting close to cr- crunch, crunch time. He's getting close to crunch time. And it, it, pretty soon he's going to like lose his... The opportunity, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he says, Look, all right, I'm going out 300 quid. She agrees, yeah, and deal's done. The deal is done. He takes it, walks out the house. She goes, uh, Excuse me, me irons. He asks to cough up another 10 pounds for yeah, the irons. He does. So walks out again, Excuse me, she says, You've got your hat. So, what's going on here? He's just trying to get out. He's just, yeah. he's just like, Get me out quick. Now, I notice when he actually does get out of the house, his music seems to have changed from oboe to synth. <laughs> oh, that's... that's Yeah, so is that because it's, like, really nasty now? I don't know, it? I don't yeah. know, but I did notice that. I, don't, I wasn't sure what it was signifying. Yeah, well, she looks at her money as he's walking out or driving away, and uh, she's happy, but she's seriously been diddled. Yeah. Now then... Um, <laughs> He rushes to leave. Still, still making me laugh. <laughs> Did, <didn't all> <laughs> um, he rushes to leave. The son gets back, and he, he sees the the man leave with the furniture on top. Yeah. So I mean that's quite a nice bit because the hedge. The only way you could have seen the the car is, is the because the furniture, the hedge. the hedge was covering out the car. But I think he must have realised that. Hang on a minute. Uh, somebody's been round and pestered the mum. Yeah. He goes into the house. And she's looking a bit distraught by this time. Because before he gets into the house, she's got a bit of paper in her hand, which is like crumpled up, but she keeps it close. He walks behind her into the other room. Right. Sees the money on the table. Yeah. He kind of does a bit of a glance at the room. He comes behind the woman with the money. And then he's like, fuck's sake. But I don't think he does say fuck. I know I don't, but that's 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 his attitude. He then yeah, and then he runs off with the money, with the money, and he's chasing well, down most of the money. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, she's got some. Well, we don't know if she's got some. So I think she had. To, I she think puts some in a tin. Room. Yeah, but I don't think that's. I don't think that's money. I think no, that's right. a bit of paper. A bit of paper. Yeah. So we'll come back to that in a second. But um, chases the. He gets in his car and chases down Greengrass. Yeah, who's pulled over, and he goes and he's given his. And then he's at the window. He said, "Take your money back." 
yeah. you, you don't understand. Yeah. He goes, oh, I understand perfectly, sir. Um, it's a deal, is a deal. Yeah. He says, and he reverses up, and then he clears off, and the guy's just going, ah, oh, God, man. And we're like, well, that's it. Well, I mean, I'll tell you one thing I noticed. On telly, on the, um, like, uh, bargain hunt and stuff like that, they always make them shake on the, on the deal when they, when they buy it. Yeah, they do. And, and, and what's that then? Is it that's I see, I a gentleman's handshake? Yeah, that's is that something do. to do with buying antiques? Or something? I don't know. I mean, I, what I like I don't is... I think it really means anything, does it? No. No, not legally. No. no. But what I like, the best show for that, is the one that uh, the Duke does. He, he, he calls himself the Duke, the orange fella, David Dickinson. Oh, right, the Duke, yeah. But he yeah, refers yeah, to himself yeah. as the Duke. Yeah. And, like, they He got... says auction instead of auction, doesn't he? <laughs> well, in his show, they have people trying to sell things to buyers. And if the buy- and the buyers are making them offers, like putting 50 quid on the table one at a time and stuff like that. Yes. It's all theatrical, isn't it? Yeah. Well, and then the best bit is if, if they're going a bit too low, if they're trying to diddle an old lady, the Duke appears. <laughs> like, a, uh, like a genie or something <laughs> like that. The Duke appears... And we'll make a, make a decision on it, which might be take it to auction. <laughs> or, or take or it to I, auction. Auction. Oh, oh I, think, I think this is worth a bit more. Can, and then, you, can you try and do an impression of him? Uh, no. Because it's a bit... It's, I think you should take it to auction. <laughs> I mean, the only one I get is upside up, upside down, sit down, when he was in the jungle. He was in the jungle with a fellow <laughs> with Sid who placed somebody off EastEnders. <laughs> <laughs> and he had him on a rope and he was up and down and he collecting things. He'd collecting things. <laughs> Sid Owen, isn't it? I don't know. Ricky, plays Ricky. I don't know these things. And, yeah, so he says, no, deal's done, and drives away. Now, then the son comes back to the house. Yeah. And um, he's, I mean, he's trying to help his mum. He says, I'm trying to, I'm yeah. trying to help you. She says, let me be as I am. It's my only pleasure. She, she then says something. She tells a, a little moral to the story that her mum told her. Um, make the most of your talents and chances. Right. That's a bit odd, that. Talents and chances. Because that doesn't really seem to relate to selling something and getting money back. That, that would be make the most of your chances. So what's, what's going on there, then? Well... She then heads out of the room and she puts... Oh, no, before she does that, she puts that rolled up paper that I thought was paper, could be money, into a tin. Yeah. So I wondered if that had something to do with this solicitor story that's going on. Anyway, um, heads to the... She heads to, I'm going to call it an annex, which is a... She goes outside the thing, up some stairs on the outside and then into, like, the attic. I I didn't know what to call it. Because I thought thought she was going into a barn or something, but it's like an upstairs extension. Yeah, Yeah. I'm going to go with annex. Right. Um, and then in there, there's lots of things pinned to a wall. Yeah. Lots of bits of information. Like it looks almost like a crime evidence. Yeah, thing. it does. Yeah, yeah. Lots of rings over things, and uh, and then she gets closer to a big microscope. And there's a uh, some projector slides. Yeah. Like one of those carousel slide things, and she looks up at a few, and she goes, "Yeah, that's the one." Yeah. Goes over to. A big machine pops the slide thing into that machine, uh-huh. turns it on, focuses it up against the canvas. Yeah. Turns out it's a painting that's an old painting, and 
then she gets out of brush. Must be a constable painting. You'd have thunk it. Yeah. And she, when she gets out of paints and stuff, she she's not recreating the painting that's there. She's using bits of the image to create a new painting. Is that right? Because yes. I thought that's not the that's not the no. painting there. So she's not tracing a painting. Which what, what I do. Yeah. What she's doing is because that painting would already exist. What she's doing is she's using elements of other comfortable paintings oh, that's really to get the style right, and so she can sell it as a painting that was undiscovered. Because that's how forgers do their. Because we see at this point that she's got a lot of those labels which say bought off the the, uh, painter, John Constable. Yeah, that's right. And so she'll just take them to auction and and say, yeah, this is a... So they're probably worth a fortune. So Granny's not been diddled. She's the diddler. She is the diddler rather than diddly. And that, sir, is the unexpected ending. It is. But now what I'm going to do is I'm going to come at you with my idea of what all the solicitor business is about. Excellent. Right. This is what. We, so that's the end of the story because, and, and just what Rob's about to do now is cover something that was never cleared up yeah. in the episode. It was just left, not even hanging, just not even. Yeah. We never even got into half of that thing. So here we go, Rob. Thoughts. So we've heard bet- di- various bits of dialogue between the solicitor and the son. We've heard solicitor saying it's a serious matter. We've heard the son saying, I don't like to go behind her back, but I don't have any choice. We've heard the exchange between them where it's said, it depends on what's said and whether there is a witness. What I think's happening here is that the son has gone to see the solicitor and said, my mum is counterfeiting paintings and selling them off as if they're John Constable ones. And that's what he's going to see the solicitor about. And if you then look at it, it's a serious matter. I don't like to go behind the back. Crucially, it depends on what's said and whether there's a witness. Because that's, that's where it would break down as to whether it's a crime or not. Yeah, because if nobody reports the crime, yeah. then it's there. So, and, and, you know, if she does not purport, she does not claim that it's a constable, then she's probably on better ground. Like in that situation. She's she, saying that she bought it from... She, she's saying that it came in the house. Yeah. She, it's a time in the attic, so... Yeah, yeah, and she sells it 300 quid. So that's what I think it's about. I think he's, he's gone to see the solicitor about his mum, who's, who's obviously got a cottage industry selling these things. Yeah, so, so she's worth an absolute fortune, and that's clearly how they make their money. Yeah. Now... You're absolutely right. I think that's the only way we can take this solicitor business. Yeah. The, the, the only problem is with it not being cleared up. Because the son is obviously aware of what's happening in that attic. He's got to be. It's his house as well. He is. Because he runs after Bill Maynard yeah. straight away. He, he knows. knows. He's like like done you, it before. You, 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 what he's saying is you don't understand. Is you've not got... you've. I owe you 300 quid because yeah. that is not... You're going to look a fool. That's right. So, say, it's obviously been going on a while and he's gone to get legal advice on where, yeah. where they stand with it. Well, I think that's it. That's the way we've got to take it. But it could be about something else. Well, I'll tell you what. If anybody's listening and has got a different theory and would like to comment on the theory... Well, then... maybe Morgs, the, uh, the author... Maybe he would, if he's got some relatives, maybe we could find uh, their opinion. Or, even better still, how about if we read the book? Because, uh, and we're at the end of the episode, by the way, guys. Uh, I think I'll I'll end this. 
we've, we've done two series. Uh, this is our third series. Uh, thanks for sticking with us. What you'll notice is we're only really commenting on what we've seen on this TV screen. We're, we're adding some information along the way, but, it, but if it's not occurred to us to look for that information, we're, we're not going to add it. Um, and that's not because we're neglectful, it's because we're, we're only really concerned about what's happening on the TV screen. Yeah, yeah. However, in this case, there, and, and, and there are a few other cases, by the way, where we've, we've, um, we've got to the end of the story and gone, what the hell is that all about? And we've referenced the fact that there's a book written and, and it, yeah. that more information might be in there. Th- this might be one of those cases where there... It's, a, it's quite a clever conversation with a solicitor that at the end of it we go, what was that conversation all about? And then we go, ah, it must have been that. Yeah. It's, never, it, we, we, it's never contradictory or it's never confirmed. It's, nev- it's yeah. just, just standing there. Which, which I quite like. And I like that as well. You're not being spoon-fed with it. No, like at the beginning of the episode where <laughs> Roald Dahl <laughs> thinks he has to tell you, uh, you know that painting guy? Well, he's quite a good painting guy. <laughs> uh, so, that is our episode. And thoughts. I well, thought, it's a great episode. That well, one. it is, isn't it? It is. You know, if, you, if you're watching it for the first time, you don't see it coming. You can't really even guess what's coming. That's right. Because it's, there's nothing telegraphed yeah. from the beginning. You, you, you actually think that this is all about... That it is a genuine painting that... Greengrass is going to nick it, and the conversation that happens is the unexpected bit is what happens when she realises she's been diddled. Yeah. But actually, she's the mastermind in all of this. Yeah, and you, you just don't see it coming. Yeah. It's almost like, you know, when she kind of like, you know, ends the scene and she gives a little bit of a, a chuckle and stuff. Yeah. It's, I bet it feels like a bit of an addiction that she's done it again. Yeah. And that, that must be how most villains feel. I've done it again, I've got away with it, I can do it again. Yeah, well, I suppose so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there, it's the thrill, isn't it? Yeah, I guess. But saying that, just like Susan George in Lamb to the Slaughter, in this one, I actually don't mind that she won. No, well, no. don't know why. I don't know why, but I well, don't. Well, it's because you can't cheat an honest man, is what they say, isn't it? Yeah, and, he, he's, and, <laughs> he's he, not an honest man. Exactly. Yeah. So, he deserves yeah, to be he cheated. He deserves to be cheated and taught a lesson. Yeah. That'll learn him. Right, we're done. That is the end of the episode. Next week, we are back. Uh, it'll be episode three of season three, all the threes. Which is proof of guilt. Give us a little bit of a synop. Well, this is about a police inspector who's investigating a murder. And uh, he's talking to the guy who was with the victim at the time of death. But there's no evidence as to what has happened. As to, well, there's a certain lack of evidence. Is all, <laughs> I, is all I can say. <laughs> Do you know what? I don't know what it is about that sentence, but I switched off. I just, I didn't, I, just, I hardly hear any of it. Uh, or made sense, it was just a bunch of words. Right. Right, Let, let's call it time on that episode. We'll see you back in a couple of, no, am I saying a weekly from season three? Weekly, weekly season three. We'll see you next week, Sunday. Bye. 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 <laughs>